1961, The Marvel Universe. 1986, The New Universe. It all begins this summer. TM, 1986 Marvel Comics Group, all rights reserved. Welcome, dear listener, to our podcast. Jeff and Rick present Unpacking the Power of Power Pack. Where we journey through each issue of the most underrated Marvel series of the 80s while drinking beer. Analyzing awesome and amazing adolescent adventures and absorbing alcohol. I am Jeff. And I am Rick. Random. Banter. Random. Banter. Jeff Rick. Random banter time, buddy. How you been? What you been doing? Tell me a story. Well, you see, once upon a time, I was in a circus, but then my parents, they died. And this rich benefactor, you know, he, he adopted me and he had this cave. He took me down in the cave and he showed me a bunch of bats and it scared me forever and I had to go to therapy. The end. <laughs> Welcome to being any superhero sidekick. <laughs> It's the best I can do in a short notice, because I'm not expecting, I wasn't expecting for you for, to do the Batman themes on Clammy, but you know, that's okay, because we're doing Power Pack. Yes, we are. Yes, we are. Uh, so what's been going on? Tell me your tale. Let's see here. What has been going on? Well, um, I am going to be going to Puerto Rico probably around the time, actually, I'll probably be coming back after this comes out. So uh, somewhere around there, I'm going to be going to Puerto Rico. I've got a friend of mine, actually, TJ, who was on our X-Men 205 episode. Mm-hmm. He's getting sent over there for work, and... He invited me to go with him, and while he's working, I'm going to explore the island. And I'm really looking forward to going in and checking out that big dish that they used at the beginning of GoldenEye. Oh, yeah. So, yes, I'm going to go all the way to Puerto Rico so I can see a set piece from GoldenEye. Nice. It's uh, it's impressive that they left that there after they were done with the movie. Um, Well, you see, actually, it's, it's actually... Uh, you know what? So, what you know, have you been like, doing? Well, it's like the Lord of the Rings things where, uh, you know, once the elves travel to the West, you could still go and visit their places and they just transport them over to New Zealand. Yes, yes. Yeah. It's very nice of them to do I that. Mean, That's very nice, very nice. All movies are real, I believe. <laughs> Seriously, you need to get out of the house more often, man. Yeah, I, I really do. Really oh, hey, I have gotten out of the house more often recently. Really? Well, I've gone out to dinner with friends. Uh, we went to Fogo de Chao, which is a Brazilian you, steakhouse. You've been there twice. I went twice this month. Because I know, because I went there with you once. Yep, and then me and Rick ate all the meat we could eat, and then we felt terrible. <laughs> because it's really good, and they just keep bringing it to your table, and they're like, would you like this meat? And you're like, okay, and then they cut meat off and put it on a plate, and they walk away, and you're like, hmm, I have meat. And then another man comes around and goes, would you like this meat? It's chicken. And you're like, okay. You have moments where you realize that your plate is full of meat, that you have said, yes, I will eat this, and you're trying to beat a clock. The clock is when they're going to come back around with that good meat that you're just eating. And so you're trying to shove the meat in your mouth, and they come around, oh, would you like this meat? It's wrapped in bacon. Yes. Mm-hmm. Put it on the plate. And all of a sudden you realize that you're, you're speeding through this. You're speeding through this. Your plate's empty. And then you have a moment where you're like, oh, please, God, I don't want them to come around yeah, for a moment. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I need to take a breather. My way of taking a breather is that I get up and I go over to the uh, kind of like, you know, they got the little like fruit and veggie and yeah. salmon and cut meat things, uh, you know, so you can go get some different food that isn't just meat. And uh, they have a like sweet and spicy bacon bowl. 
And so that's how I tend to take a break from eating meat is I go and eat bacon. These are life choices that we have to live with. These are really great life choices that if you do it long enough, you won't live too long with it because, man, that is just a heavy, heavy meal. <laughs> but good. I've also gotten outside so far as to uh, go weeding in the backyard. And if you remember my previous weeding attempts, it's with a flamethrower. So I got to break out the old torch again and torch the backyard up and kill off plants. I think that you should let me borrow that. Of course, I could be dangerous. Yeah, I know. Why do you think I haven't loaned it to you? I just got dangerous enough by going and saying, I'm going to mow the lawn. I made it to the front lawn. Mm -hmm. God finished mowing that and realized, wow, the outside of the lawn looks horrible. I'm going to do some weeding. I'm going to clean up all the, the weeds in between the cracks in the mm -hmm. sidewalk. Hmm, this one bush is encroaching on the sidewalk walk too much i'm gonna cut this that's when my wife came out and pointed out yeah that's the neighbor's bush you probably shouldn't do that mm. my trick with that thing anymore where i'm like this looks horrible outside is i turn around and i go back in yeah i never get to the back <laughs> line <laughs> let's quit talking about yard work and let's talk about something a lot more interesting like your work you sir <laughs> owe me a two sentence replay from last episode do you remember last episode yep and i always are, pay my debts are, are you sure you remember because there's been like two interviews in between this and last episode yeah, i'm gonna be honest i forgot that we do a power pack podcast <laughs> and uh, i was kind of like this is really nice i'm not <laughs> staying up late and writing and you forgot that we do one that's based on issues of power pack mm -hmm. yeah yeah instead of just talking to creators and going hi just say words for an hour please and then we take a nap <laughs> And then we come back and we go, thank you for your time. We don't take a nap. We're we don't ecstatic. take a nap. We basically sit around and dance and say, yay, we yeah. talked to Mark Sumerak. Yay, yay we, we talked, talked to Louise Simonson. Simonson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is Tell pretty great. Give me my two-sentence replay. Katie and company go to a book signing for Katie's favorite author's new book, The Great Goo Gam Treasure Hunt, which has garnered the unfortunate attention of ne'er-do-well Three Stooges lookalikes, Moe and Larry, who want the location of the prize money that deciphering the book will give. Well, it is up to Katie and Jack to rescue the kidnapped author from these numbskulls in a hijinks-filled adventure that could have been over a lot faster than it was if Jack simply went jackhammer happy on these reprehensible reprobates. Now that the Jack and Katie were so jealous of not being kidnapped that they kidnapped themselves to be part of the storyline and then pretty much gave away their secret identities to the author, two-sentence replay is over, why don't you give me a beer and tell us what our Power Pack pick is? My pleasure, my friend. I've got... Nice little beer for you. Mm -hmm. Like always, I try to find something interesting, and this is one I picked up a long time ago, and I thought, okay. you know what? I'll find a place for it. And I thought this issue was a good place for it because the kids are playing in the snow. Yes, they so are. So I present to you Pyramid Snow Cap. Oh, let's look at this. That is a pretty bottle. It's all a gold foil print, so everything's all shiny and reflective. It's got trees and snow and an old bourbon barrel in the middle of it. That looks really, really good. So, Snowcap Imperial Winter Ale. 7% ABV, 47 IBU. Story time for it is our bourbon barrel aged version of Snowcap has been waiting 10 months to get to you. This Imperial Winter Ale features Snowcap's classic flurry of flavors, but with an added blizzard of rich bourbon flavors and aromas. When your adventure's over this winter, get cozy with a bourbon barrel aged Snowcap. Nice. That's... The winter ale's usually a little bit more hoppy than I like, but it doesn't mean I don't drink them. Oh, yes, a glass. Here you go. Well, I, and like I said, because we are dealing with a snow-themed little outing with the kids, mm -hmm. I thought Snowcap would be a nice touch. Wow, that's a lot darker than I was expecting it to be. It, I can smell the bourbon wow, from that's, here. That's like a really dark brown. 
like a you know like a like a kind of a porter brown kind of thing that's that's a good color that's a it's like a nice like aged leather look to it oh yeah there's the bourbon well cheers to you sir to you too my friend oh there's a bourbon barrel yep there's that imperial yeah ah oh and there's the uh, hoppy afters you know what though what that's not bad uh hmm oh it's got another further aftertaste kind of a that's like a smoked barrel kind of aged after flavor you know i, I think the first one that hit you a little hard mm-hmm. my first one was kind of smooth hmm. still hitting you hard let me try that again yeah not as not as strong in the front end but uh ah, ah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's just changing placement on my tongue when it's uh when it's triggering things that's interesting that it's hitting you differently for me it's not hitting me too bad huh. yeah that's uh i'm getting the bourbon yeah, I'm getting the, I'm getting the bourbon and the uh, hoppy winter ale kind of thing, and like the uh, the barrel flavor too. I find this to be a very pleasant drink. I'm not quite there. <laughs> so. That's interesting. I'm wondering. I really am wondering because you got the top half of the bottle. Yeah. I don't know if that has anything to do with it. Don't know. And who knows? It might change up as uh, I get more in me and the uh, beer warms up. It's nice and warm, warm, warm while it's cold outside. Yep, it's been a stormy, wintry day. We are in a nice little adventure here which jeff we can start off if you tell us about the opening credits power pack issue number 22 may 1986 trapped credits writer louise simonson pencils john bogdanovil inks bob wyacek letters joe rosen colors glennis oliver editor carl potts editor-in-chief jim shooter featuring power pack alex power aka g gravity julie power aka lightspeed flight voiced by my wife jack power aka mass master Density, Katie Power, a.k.a. Energizer. Energy, voiced by my daughter. Frank Richards, a.k.a. Tattletail. Precognition. Kofi, a chameleon alien who's got teleportation powers. And Friday, the smart ship that loves them all. Guest starring Emperor Bacha, Emperor of the Alien Snark Empire. He's been poisoned. Queen Maraud, sneaky and backstabbing Snark Queen who wants her son to be the new emperor. She's the one who poisoned him. Jarvis, if you're going by Power Pack Comics, the only guardian that Frank has, he's the butler of the Avengers. Allison, Alex's girlfriend. Can I tell you what I hate, like, more than anything? Our current political climate? What? No, well, yes, but what I was gonna say is being disturbed while I'm taking a bath. I mean, I'm trying to have a nice relaxing bath, winding down after a hard day of being a vicious ruler, trying to ease my aching, poisoned body, and an executive meeting occurs around me? What are you talking about? This happens to all of the greatest leaders. I'm talking about role models like King Charlemagne and the captain of the Golga Frenchian Arc Fleet B. And of course, Emperor Bacha of the Snarks. Of course. Bacha knows what I'm talking about. The poor guy is just trying to soothe his poisoned nerves in a bath, and he has to deal with his court. To be fair, people like Murad are there to check to see if he has kicked the snark version of the proverbial bucket. He proves to her that he is still alive and dangerous by sitting up in his royal bath and shooting a laser at her. The crafty criminal queen clutches a clever carcanet, causing a constructed cover to cancel the crisis. A flashy and flamboyant, fabulous fashion-forward force field. Fantastic! And with the practiced ease of one who plays politics well, Maraud shows deference and sympathy for her emperor's poor health, attributing that to his outburst. She also slides the blame to the Chimelians as the ones who want him dead, not her. She also has this amazing bridge on a planet called Earth that she wants to sell him. And the Emperor is not buying her story or the bridge. And after informing everyone of this, he kicks them out so he can sing a song to his rubber froggy. 
minutes later, a grumpy queen and her toady subordinate Hodge are heading back to their shabby spaceport. Apparently, the dilapidated hangar is a ruse to cover her nifty toys. Things like that tricked-out spaceship she decked out with a sweet reality bender. She did some trading with the Magus's technocrats for this doohickey. Who are the technocrats? Good question. She is talking about another alien race. Astute readers at the time would recognize this as the same race that Warlock from the New Mutants belongs to. They are intelligent beings made up of circuitry and technology. Okay. And what does a reality bender do? This controls what the spaceship looks like. Murad demonstrates this by turning the ship into a huge alien hawk called a jub-jub bird. That is pretty awesome. And sneaky. Murad wants Counselor Hatch to take the ship to Earth and to find the power hatchlings and her son, the High Snark Jackal. With this ship and her force field necklace, it is obvious that Murad has been visiting her key branch. Pay attention, Devil Dodd. You've been spending too much time listening to that on Her Majesty's Secret podcast, haven't you? But speaking of paying attention, we see a really familiar figure hiding behind a random speeder car. Is that Tattletail, the young Mr. Franklin Richards? What's he doing on Snark World? Spying? Duh. And apparently he has dreamed this before, because he knows that the Snarks are going to start whispering. And so he tries to sneak in closer by saying, Sneak! Sneak! <laughs> sneak! But then the Snarks see him. Yeah, um, how can they see Frank if he's dreaming this? Or is he really dreaming at all? Interesting question. Very philosophical of you. But that is one that is not answered now, either philosophically or really. Because as Queen Maraud moves towards this tricky title tattletale, Frank wakes up in his bed at the Avengers Mansion. He is in his power pack uniform and clutching his teddy bear. He is very upset that the costume has appeared. It's supposed to be a secret. And after berating his finicky fashion, he costumes off and wanders over to the window because it's snowing. That's good. And he spies the snark ship from his dream floating in the sky. That's bad. His surprised scream has alerted Jarvis, who rushes into the room to check on his young ward. That's good. Frank points out the alien craft to the beleaguered butler, but Jarvis just sees a cloud. That's bad. Frank agrees that even though it looked real, he admits it does look like a cloud. Um, is that good? Sure. He also admits that he has still not told his parents about his special dreams because they scare his mommy. We also learn that... Shocker! The FF are once again out adventuring, this time on a space mission from S.H.I.E.L.D. These ongoing acts of abandonment continue to assure that they will win the worst parenting award for the fifth year running. As we fade away from the Avengers Mansion, we see the strange cloud and realize it is truly the sky's snark ship. Frank was right. If only the adults would listen to this child! Curses! You know that if adults listened to him, we would not have this adventure. Yeah, I guess. Switching to the surreptitiously shielded spacecraft, some snarks sit, staring into a scientific screen, scanning the city for some superpower siblings. Static stifles the search, specifically stumbling across signals with super signatures set, not starting from celestial sources. The senior snark says to supervise the settings and settle the search from the specific suspects. What you're telling me is that the aliens keep tripping over other heroes during their examination, but they need to focus on power pack? Strictly speaking, sure. Well, maybe they should check a local middle school, because it may be time for Frank to get up, but Alex and his girlfriend Allison are done with school. Wait, how did we go from Frank waking up to the end of the school day? Well, we had the short scene in the snark ship, maybe time moves differently inside a cloaked ship, seven minutes in there is seven hours outside, I don't know. Sure, okay, whatever, works for Doctor Who. But speaking of time, according to the plethora of decorations adorning the halls of the school, it's about time for the Valentine's Day dance. Oh, yeah. Allison is dropping some big hints to Alex. In fact, they're pretty much anvils. But our sullen sourpuss is missing the hints that his freckled female friend wants him to ask her to the dance. 
Alex calls it a crepe paper covered nightmare and that he wouldn't go to the dance even if they paid him to. Needless to say, Allison is not happy. Come on, Alex. If you want to be a leader, you have to really try to be more attentive to other people's emotional cues. To prove this point, Allison speed walks away outside into the snowy New York street, yelling back to Alex to walk home himself. This scene is witnessed by John, a fellow classmate of Alex and Allison, and his pack of friends. John and Alex have had a few negative interactions before, including John making fun of Alex on his first day of school and kicking a soccer ball at him. And now, John sees another opportunity to stick it to Alex. First, he tells his cronies to meet him at the sled park. Then, while running after Allison, he trips Alex. At the same moment, the rest of the power kids are walking up to meet Alex. As they see their big brother falling, Julie flies up to catch him. Alex starts to chide Julie about using her powers as he floats about three feet off the ground. Katie is trying to pull him down, and Julie is still cradling his head while all three are arguing about using their powers. Jack is standing off to the side, not really caring that his brother was about to crack his skull on the cold concrete. That's just like Jack. I don't know what you dopes are fighting about. There isn't anybody left to see. And he's not wrong. The Skullkins have all run off to go sledding, and John is walking next to Allison. Something Jack notices. Hey, Alex, I thought Allison was your girlfriend. And as Alex and Julie start to discuss the reasons why Allison is angry at Alex, and while Katie and Jack are trying to catch snowflakes in their mouths, we get an insert scene of the sneaky snarks getting a small signal from their use of the powers. As the kids start walking down the snow-covered street, we have a fantastic scene. We have said that some of the best power pack moments are when the kids are doing everyday things. In this scene, we have the two older kids talking about Allison, while the younger two are throwing snowballs at each other. Jack has tossed a snowball over a car and nailed Katie. Puff. Julie does not think much about Allison walking and talking with John, and Alex is trying to defend Allison, but admits that he messed up. Katie, retaliating, throws a snowball at Jack, who quickly costumes on and clouds up, allowing the ball to pass through him before he reforms and costumes off. The ball continues on its trajectory until it connects with the back of Alex's neck. Splap! Alex is the only one who doesn't find this funny. And even though he again chastised one of his siblings for using their power, Jack points out that there is nobody around. He also points out, the good things in life. Mom'll be home soon and it's snowing. Forget girls, forget everything. Let's go sledding. Hey, maybe Frank can come with us? But he's at the Avengers Mansion. We can't just knock on the door and... Why not? And again, we see a panel with the two snarks hodging off, zeroing in on the powers as they use their powers. Meanwhile at the Avengers Mansion! Home of the Fighting Justice League. You know, with comments like that, we are going to get sued. Haven't yet. Now that Frank is awake after sleeping all day, Jarvis has him in the kitchen with him. Frank, like most kids, is wanting to go outside and play in the snow. Jarvis, being the stuffed shirt that he is, points out that it is wet and cold outside. Also, he has to bake bread. And pies. And then he probably has to clean up the kitchen. Why? Because the butler is the head of the kitchen and dining room, he keeps everything tidy. That's all. Oh. So he buttles. Got it. Well, Frank wants to help out, and he does so by bringing a huge tin of flour over to the baking butler. And like all kids who are trying to help, Bloof! Tips over the container, comically covering the counter and the charging chamberlain with flour. Ding dong! The annoyed and now alabaster assistant strides toward the door to find four strange children. Excuse us, sir, but can Frank come out and... Holy cow! It must be snowing in here, too! And with verification from Frank that, yes, he does know these kids, Jarvis thankfully kicks out the young troublemaker. As soon as a squad of children turn the corner, it is a collective... Costumes, costumes on. on! 
Alex grabs the sled with Frank and Katie sitting on it, while Julie plays Rudolph, and away they go to Central Park and the sledding hills. Hooray! Bing! The snarks are now really zeroing in on these power hatchlings. They know where they are, but there are so many kids there that they have to wait for one more use of their powers to identify them. As they land, Frank informs the family that he had a dream that the snarks are coming after them. Alex believes that Frank just saw a dream about the past. Frank ain't so sure. In fact, he points out another cloud that looks like a snark ship. But the power kids, while admitting that it does look like a snark ship, really disregard the fact that Frank has proven precognitive powers. Jack even says that Frank is becoming jumpy because of his powers. Then he throws a snowball at the young boy. Frank moves out of the way before Jack even throws the snowball. I saw it coming, sort of like a ghost snowball, and I moved out of the way. Back before Christmas, it happened with this old guy in a cab, too, and... Come on, let's get up the hill! Wow! Hey, guys, you might want to listen to the kid with the precognitive powers! Funny you should say that, because as they pull the sled with Katie and Frank up the hill, Julie kind of swings back around to what Frank was saying. She starts to ask Alex if there may be a connection between the cloud and his dreams. But then Alex gets super distracted by seeing John and Allison sledding down the hill toward the death jump. The two kids take it too fast and... Shazang! They go flying into the snow. While John's gang congratulates the young daredevil for not chickening out, Allison starts yelling at the boy for going too fast. And Alex runs over and starts berating Allison for doing something so reckless. OMG, Alex. You must have been bit by a radioactive shovel because you just keep on digging that hole. Oh wait, it gets better. John and his boys are tired of this hill with the death jump. They want to go to Suicide Hill. And as John calls for Allison to join them, Alex drops this gem. Don't be a jerk, Allison. You can't. I can. I can do whatever I want. You don't care about me. You only care about what you want. Everything always has to be your way, doesn't it? Like the dance. Like, oh, forget it. What do you care what I do? You're not even my boyfriend. And as they walk away, John tells Alex he can come too, if he's not too chicken. What is this? Happy days and that's the way to... I'm not gonna fight you. Oh, we're gonna go down now. I'm sorry, I can't get anything else out of here except for the Arrested Development team doing their various versions of chickens. Here's an opportunity for many responses from Alex. There could be the classic attacked masculinity response of, Hey, don't call me a chicken! Insert fight. You could also have the, I'll show you who's chicken! grab the sled and do something dangerous, you also have the more woke response of laughing off the insult and rejoining your family for a nice day of sledding, letting Allison make her own choices. And there are probably a dozen other variations, but what does Alex do? Suicide Hill's dangerous! Ah, uh, the Luke Skywalker. But I was going to Tashi Station to pick up some power converters! Whiny response. Choices, Alex. Choices. You're making the wrong ones. The rest of the family kind of takes that what jerks, their choices, their consequences road and heads over to enjoy the day but as he watches allison and the gang move away alex just can't let it go allison's growing distance does not make this seem small and the fears controlling alex set him up for a fall it's time to see what he will do Have an emotional breakthrough No right, no wrong, no gravity He's G You kinda just fell into that song, didn't ya? In the immortal words of Jim Carrey SOMEBODY STOP ME! Alex decides that he will tag along Even if he looks like a fool Because he is afraid for Allison's safety 
that puts the rest of the pack in a pickle. Enjoy the day of sledding or backup Alex in what probably is going to be a devolving situation. And they decide to help him out. And they decide to help him out. Meanwhile, light years away, nearing the Snark homeworld. Home of the fighty angsty teen. Well, another fighting angsty teen. Well, in this case, it's actually a fighting angsty alien teen. And again, you really let that get away from you, didn't it? Yeah, it, it seems like it did, didn't it? Kofi and the Smart Ship Friday are finally arriving on Snark World, hoping to find Kofi's father. Remember, the young pony boy needs to apologize to his dad for stealing another Smart Ship and running away to Earth. The Smart Ship data had belonged to his dad and was destroyed by the Snark Jackal. As they approach the planet, the Snarks inform Kofi that his dad, Lord Yurik, is in conference with the Emperor and can't be disturbed. Hey, wait a minute. That's a lie. <laughs> the Snarks are lying to a chameleon? Must be a day ending with why. You mean like Friday? But we record on Wednesday. And release on Sunday. What are, what are we talking about? Um, first base? No, it was something about an oblivious young foolish fool running afoul of a full group of foul villains. Easy for you to say, but you are correct. Friday drops Kofi off at the landing pad, wishes the chameleon luck, then takes off back to Earth and the power pack. Kofi meets a rather impressive group of snarks who lead him into a trap. Then four cables snake down and grasp each of Kofi's limbs, trapping him and dampening his teleportation power. Queen Marad appears and gloats that she has also captured Lord Yurik, and that she wants to have a chat with Kofi. I wonder if she is going to offer him any tea, because that would be funny. No, it wouldn't. Also, Murad has no time to play mother. She wants to find her son, Jackal. Meanwhile, back on Earth, home of the fighting suicide hill sledders. The power pack team has hiked over to the steep incline of this dangerous sledding hill. Not only are there trees that need to be avoided, there is also a frozen lake at the foot of the hill. In order for there to be maximum excitement, the kids must wait till the last moment before they bail from their sleds. As they get closer, Franklin starts to freak out about a vision he is seeing. He starts to describe it. Oh, dear God, no. Have you heard about the scary sled craze? Listen to me, I'm sure you'll be amazed. Big scare will be had by Allison. Stop them, Alex. It surely can't be fun. John and Allison will drown, he's told. Trust what Frank says, don't be scared and fold. This hill is bad, and the girl will surely pay. Save her. And save the day. Freak out! I'm I'm really sorry, but now I'm just seeing Franklin sing that song? Seriously, what's wrong with us? Lots of things, but more importantly, what is wrong with all of them? Alex is busy telling Frank that nothing is going on and that Allison is still at the top of the hill instead of realizing this one important fact. Precognitive foreshadowing. You will be soaking in it? Yep. <coughs> sure enough, John grabs a screaming Allison and pulls her onto the sled with him. Not cool, dude. Not cool. What is also not cool is that Alex doubts what he sees. He wonders if she's screaming, John, let me go, and let me go, please, for fun. <coughs> Alex, no means no. A scream means fear, and you are a hero. Hop to a... And he does, finally making a choice to trust in Frank, who has the power to see the future and suffer any consequences later. Alex's power leaps over, activating his powers to remove both passengers off the sled. He tackles Allison around the waist and cold cocks John face first into the snow, while the sled bounces off a tree and smashes into the icy lake below. Crack! Hooray! And the snarks have identified the kids. Boo! Alex and Allison are sitting next to each other in the snow. John's head is buried in the drift. Alex quickly explains that he saw the sled heading for the tree, so he tackled her off. She recognizes that he did save her, but she thought that he hated her. 
What, just because he was not excited about a dance? You know, I'm really glad to not be a teenager anymore. Yeah, unfortunately, there is one person who is not happy, and that is John. He grabs Alex's coat and informs him that Allison is going to the dance with him. A more woke Alec points out that it is Allison's choice while shoving him away. John retaliates in a very childish manner by tossing a handful of ice at Alex, who dodges, leaving a surprised Allison to take the hit. Smack! As the young teen covers her face and unsurprisingly yells that it hurts, Alex responds to the attack. Are you out of your mind? She's a girl! An innocent girl! Yo, Powa! It was a joke! Just a joke, see? Don't touch her again! And with one degrabbed arm, Alex slams the teenage tyrant into a snowbank. And both boys instantly know something is wrong. Alex knows that he has just used his powers against a normal boy, and he could have hurt him badly. And John knows that what happened was not normal, and starts to call Alex mutant, using it as a bigoted term, and questions why Allison would want to go to the dance with a mutie. Allison stands up to the jerkwad by saying she doesn't care. Alex saved her life, and his too, as she points to the frozen pond, where we see the sled they were riding sink into the hole into the icy water. As Alex and Allison walk away and talk about the dance, John is trying to prove to his boys that Alex is not normal, as an excuse for losing the fight. Julie recognizes that this could be a problem. Jack is impressed with his brother, and Katie and Frank are sticking their tongues out at John. Later, the powers drop Frank back off at the Avengers Mansion before saying they have to catch a bus to see their mom at the hospital. As they do, Katie drops a glove. Once around the corner, the kids begin to change into their costumes to fly to the hospital, but they are interrupted by Jarvis, who has mysteriously appeared with the errant accoutrement. As a means of showing his appreciation, Alex stealthily slips Jarvis a cool G. Take a drink. Jarvis sticks around until the bus shows up, and then gets on it with them, which is odd? And inconvenient. They really wanted to just fly there. But bad news, kids. This ain't Jarvis, and this ain't no bus. You remember how Kofi was trussed up? Well, more of those same cables appear as Jarvis and the other bus passengers morph into snarks, and the bus changes into a snark ship and lifts up into the sky. It's a trap! Thank you, Admiral Akbar, for that obvious statement. As the snarks explain that their powers won't work and that they are being taken to Snark World, Alex lowballs the danger they are in. Snark World? Oh no, I said I'd practice with Allison tonight. She'll think I stood her up. Allison? How can you even think about Allison at a time like this? You know, really, Alex? Really? And speaking of missing the obvious, we have a final panel where Frank watches the spaceship take off, yelling at Jarvis that it is real. And Jarvis, holding some freshly baked sliced bread, dismisses the powered-up pint and tells him it's time for bed. Next issue, missing. Be there. Unless you are missing, then call for help. We added that last bit. (laughs) Hey, Jeff. Yeah, Rick. You know what you should do before you go outside into the snow? I should wrap myself in some warm covers. You know, if you're going to take all the fun out of this, I'm just not going to play. I'm going to take my toes and go home. But before I do, I'm going to show you the power pack packaging. Yeah. This is drawn by John Bogdanovo, which we are going to mess up that name. I think we should just call him John Bog, because I think Wheezy did that when we were talking. John B. Weezy called him Bog. Okay, well, we could look at that. I can also uh, listen to some like interviews or things for him. That yeah, we're, we're going to have to really work on that one. Yeah. And because I'd like to get him on sometime because he's going to become a big deal. Yeah, it'll be great when we're like, so John B. <laughs> First question, can you say your last name yeah. for us? And then he'll say it and we'll be like, 
What was that? And he'll say it and we'll go, we'll call you John. Johnny. We need to learn this though, because now he is starting as the next long-term artist who's going to be drawing for this for about four years. He also did a lot of collaborating with Louise Simonson on the stories, which is good because he also eventually takes over as writer as well. This issue cover, we have a pretty exciting thing here. We've got Alex flying up in the air in his uniform. He's holding Johnny up by his, the back of his jacket and Johnny's kind of like bent over him. And you've got Jack and Julie flying up to say, no! And on the ground, you see Franklin and Katie in their power uniforms. And it looks like Allison, who's on the snow. And they're in Central Park, and the caption on the side says, Dark Alex. <laughs> so I like this. It's not what happens in there, but it definitely gets the spirit of it. The kids are in Central Park. There is a time <laughs> There is a time when Alex uses his powers. Not to this extent, but I mean, it's... It's Johnny's version of the story. It is Johnny's version of the story. Yeah. This scene did not happen. Uh, I mean, yes... Alex picked up Johnny and threw him into a snowbank. Yeah. There you go. But yeah, this scene did not happen. But I say evocative. Right. This is just ridiculous. This is a retelling. This is Johnny's yeah. very... I like your I like yeah. your interpretation. It is Johnny's version of events. But <laughs> but it is one of these that, that's very interesting. It's it's like, wait a minute. This is a bad use of their power. They're showing their powers in front of others. Oh, this is a clickbait. Yes. That's what this is. This is early clickbait. You're like, what? Alex doing to that kid and then you go inside and you're like you know it's like you won't believe the top worst things Alex has done and then you click on it and he goes it's like well you know he was late to school that couple of times and pushed uh, over a kid he's really not that bad not that bad at all yeah. so yeah we, we do have a new cover artist a new artist for the inside and so we've got a lot of a new art style yeah I like it I'm I, okay with it I really like his style I mean We've gone from Jude Bringman, who really set the tone and style yeah. for the entire series. And you had Brett Anderson, who came in and just... Brett Anderson's detail is beautiful. Yeah. Love it. And it it really carried and really kind of cleaned up and defined a lot of the styles that June Brigman started with. So now we got another artist's interpretation. He puts a lot of detail into it, a lot of background he stuff. He puts too. a lot of detail, a lot of shadows. I think he got he's got the kids captured really well. Mm -hmm. He still has them looking childish yeah. without looking like cartoons yeah he really does. i mean now on the cover i will say that on the cover franklin and katie do look like cartoons but they're really in the far background yeah, their background but i mean really when you look at the detail and up close and 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 how the kids move franklin carrying the flower over to jarvis mm -hmm. I, there's a lot of good action he does movement well he does action well and it's I think it's really good. Another thing that I really liked about it that I noticed was uh, a lot of times I kind of forget like the kids' sizes because occasionally in the comic they'll have them, you know, standing next to like sized things or adults sure. or something. You go, oh yeah, they're kids, but a lot of times it's just them and they're doing stuff or they're facing off against snarks or something, and it's just kind of like they become, you know, they're the protagonists, so now they're larger than life. There's a lot of images in this one which really goes to show just how kid size they are yes. like the younger kid you know it's like there's you know a couple of scenes of katie walking through the snow where the older kids are just walking through it and she's all doing the it's knee deep the yeah big she's old really step trudges it's like when they're standing next to uh jarvis it's like wow these guys are midgets because they are they're kids they're right. wee compared to an adult male so yeah, yeah, there's a lot of that in here where you're like, oh, yeah, there's scaling issues, and this is great. So, What a great issue for him to start on because, I mean, yes, we have the snarks in here a little mm -hmm. bit, but we don't, have a lot of, we don't have a lot of fights. We don't have a lot of space stuff. We don't have a lot of other things. We have everyday kind oh, of things. Oh, so good. I love that. I love the everyday things. And, and I also love the, you know, 
how they use their powers and kind of their everyday things where it's yeah. like, you're not going to hit me with a snowball. Boom. I'm a cloud baby. Baha. Now I'm not, you know, it's kind of <laughs> like, Oh my gosh, my brother's falling. I'm going to fly over to him to catch him. <laughs> I do love the fact all three of them are just floating three feet above air. Like Katie's holding onto a leg going, I feel like a Christmas tree ornament. <laughs> and Julie's there flying as a rainbow. And, and they're, they're all arguing about yeah. using their powers. It's like, they're well, then all stop using, using your power. <laughs> well, Katie is the only one who didn't use her powers at all this issue. That's right. She did. Yeah. Good call. But yeah, everybody else just used them like willy nilly, and they're like, "Man, it's nobody's outside. It's New York." But I just I love how Katie and Jack are throwing snowballs at each other, and it's just oh, it's so it's good. Just, it's just they're they're throwing snowballs, having fun, and like Jack clouds out and misses. I I love mm-hmm. that scene. I love that, that scene. That is a lot. an amazing, amazing scene. And going sledding. Yeah. What are your memories of sledding? Okay. Now, I should we should say we should say right up front we live in the Pacific Northwest we have the joke here in Portland Seattle is that it always rains speaking of today mm-hmm. we had torrential downpours yeah, today we're like just just like the road was nothing but water so we get rain when there's like an inch of snow the city shuts down we don't get a lot of snow but what are your sledding memories as an addendum to that the thing to remember is that we also have a lot of curves and a lot of hills here. Yes, we do. And uh, so that's a problem. But also, we get snow, but we mostly get ice. Yes. So if we have snow, snow's awesome, but mostly it's like, it's snowing ice. It's snowing freezing rain. So everything gets coated with, it doesn't matter how little or how much ice it is, it's ice. Yes. So that's the reason that we shut down a lot. I've got a lot of sledding memories, but the one that I can really stands out and I remember, and it was was when I was in college. So I was over at Clark College. So it was, uh, you know, 1920, something like that. Me and some friends that I worked at Roundtable with went over to another friend's house that we worked at Roundtable with uh, named Jeanette, so this gal, and we, like, three or four of us at a time would pack on to one of those metal-railed old wooden metal sleds okay, and go down a hill that she lived on because there was just enough snow and just enough ice to do that. But there was way too much weight on the sled, so we got to sled, but we were throwing sparks behind us just like, <laughs> I don't know, just like a Flash Gordon rocket ship just... <laughs> It was just amazing. And so it was like, yay, we're sledding. Also, look at that. We can start fires. So that's that's, that's one that really stands out. I remember when I was very young, and it has to have been when I was about six, seven, eight, somewhere in that that area, because um, I know my sister was still at home. We had a bad, bad snowstorm out in the, out in Portland area. And, you know, power was out for days at a time. And it just was really bad. We went over to one of our friend's houses, and they lived over by Glendiver Golf Course. And there's a bit of a hill over kind of in that area. Some of the neighborhoods nearby there have kind of a tiered effect, where there's like three, <laughs> uh-huh. three pretty steep hills that flatten out for the streets to go through, and then it goes into another hill. <laughs> I remember going there this one time named Chris, and because we were over at his family's house, and he was about four or five years older than me. And, oh man, we just would take those hills like, gangbusters it was a blast and like you know we have to kind of bail out as we're going down the last one which ends on halsey which is a pretty much a big busy street so it's like oh just kind of bail out off to the side and then hike back up these three hill system i still go sledding me and hillary go uh go sledding in the winter on occasion up on the mount hood yeah snow bunny uh not snow bunny we go over to uh what is it white river and there's an old rock quarry there that is uh you walk up to the top of the quarry and you can sled down that that's great Nice. Yeah, unless people build uh, ramps, because then they invariably build trenches as well. Yeah. Yeah, there's there's death. Yeah, what is it? The death jump, and then there's Suicide Hill. And I've seen people sledding, and they're like, wee! And then they hit one of these holes, and they just stop dead. (laughs) 
dead being an optimum word on that. And I've seen other people then go over some of these ramps and then they yard sail as they just go, I'm sledding. And then they fly and everything falls off of them and they hit and they go, whoomp. And you go, are you okay? And they go, I'm fine. And you go, do you want any help picking up your stuff? I'm fine. And then they pick up their stuff and they leave. <laughs> so sledding is awesome because sometimes you can just walk up and you can follow the trail of blood from people that have broken their noses and invariably there's always an ambulance in the parking lot because you'll also see people i saw this one kid a uh, teenage guy getting towed out on a sled uh laying on his back holding his arm up holding his wrist because he's just broken his wrist or right. his arm because this is sledding <laughs> And then they go to the ambulance and then they leave and then they go to the hospital. So a lot of people go, you know, travel two hours to go sledding, go do once and then go, guess I'm crippled for life now. <laughs> so what you're saying is that there are not competent sledders, but in this story, we have competent snarks. Yes, very competent snarks. Yeah, it's nice to see that for a change. Nice to see some competent villains. Keep in mind, this is like Hodge, who's, you know, the emperor's, uh, one of his counselors. Right. It's I think I think it's the chancellor for the emperor that's been donated by by maraud mm -hmm. but yeah so chancellor hodge is there and she's running this this operation they've got a ship that's got some pretty cool technology yep. they're patient they're methodical they're going to wait for the right moment and they capture the kids pretty darn well they do yeah the kids did not see it coming because who would see you never expect the butler to do it no no never <laughs> The butler did it with a sled on the school bus. The butler did it in the causeway of the Avengers Mansion mm -hmm. with a glove. Yes. <laughs> it's the weirdest game of Clue ever. I, I love the plotting on the storyline, too. Mm -hmm. It was nice to have a good story where, like, intercut with these nice pieces with, with the snarks kind of yeah. slowly getting to where they're at, coming up with a plan to catch them. So it was very good plotting in the storyline. I liked it. And it was a good... And it was good, you know, action stuff because it had like there was a damsel in distress, there was a villain who had captured her, there was you know, there but was low imminent, stakes, but very yeah, low, there stakes. Was low stakes. I mean, yeah, okay, they could have crashed into the lake and died. Yeah, you know, it was it was very low stakes because it was like, oh boy, Alex is in trouble with his girlfriend because he didn't ask her to the dance. Well, I hear Johnny did. Uh oh, they're sledding. You know what that means? <laughs> what a tree! They might crash. You know, so, it was we're all of a sudden in the nineteen fifties. John Hughes 80s comedy. Yeah, I kind of like just crashed a bunch of things together yeah, there. Actually, but yeah, actually, that would be pretty great. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 It's very much like that. So it is very low stakes, very but at the stakes. same time, it's kind you know, it's an emotional, uh, emotional high stakes for characters as well. Yeah. Yes. Because, you know, this is like Alex, he's like, oh my God, my girlfriend hates me and this guy I don't like well, is going to date her. The girlfriend hates you because you know why. Yeah, I know. Alex was pretty obvious with. One last thing. Why don't people believe Frank? He's four and a half. I'm going to say that. Also, they were distracted with, we want to go sledding. And also, I'm in trouble with my girlfriend. And also, uh, okay, here's my thing on a lot of, of why it happens in a story. TV shows, movies, books, whatever. Sure. It's always, sure. why is this? And it's always well, plot. Because the script says, and again, it, like you, we even said in the script, that it would be, why didn't, you know, they should have believed him. Yes, they should have. And then it would be a very short story. True, true. You know, it's like, Jarvis, there's a spaceship. And he'd be like, it looks like a cloud, but you saw it be a ship before, right? Yes. I will contact the Avengers who are right here. I will go next next door over into Master Thor's how, you know, room and go, excuse me, Thor, could you commune with the thunder and the lightning and the cloud and see if that's a spaceship? And he will go, aye, citizen, I shall. Yes, it is an alien craft of the origin snocks.
You're right. It would be a much easier way to finish up the story. And then, but, then Thor flies up and goes, knocky knock. And they go, what do you want? And he goes, you want a Vamuski from the Midgard? It is under my protection. And they go, okay. <laughs> and then you just have a sledding episode, which honestly would actually be kind of a great storyline too. I can't even remember what I was going to talk about anymore. Oh, I know what it was. <laughs> I was going to say this. I was going to say that we are starting to get the inklings of Franklin having the next evolution of his power. Yeah, it's more than just the precognitive dreams. He's having the waking visions, the waking which we've astral, seen a couple of times. Yeah. And the waking yeah. astral projections, That's too. the new one here is the, the astral projection. It was sleep astral projection, right. though. This is kind of what I always remember with Frank, because this is really where he develops actual great power. Yeah. And this is a power that I think that, that Jeff, in his heart of hearts, wishes that his daughter would develop, because that would mean that she would be sleeping. <sighs> oh, that'd be fun. No, that'd be great, because then she could be asleep, but also she could be awake running around, and I wouldn't have to worry about anything. It's not like she's going to eat tacks, or pull the cat's tail, or get into anything. It would just be like, go ahead and just astral yourself around the house. Go to the neighbors. I don't care. You're safe. <laughs> Because if I need you, you're right there sleeping. And while Jeff dreams about this a little bit, I'm going to talk a little bit about the library card. I like to try to find some literature references in this book, and I couldn't find anything precise. But there was a scene at the beginning of the book that got me remembering a book I really like. So I decided to talk about that. Mm -hmm. In the beginning of the book, we see the emperor having a conference while he's in a bath. This made me think of Douglas Adams' 1980 book, The Restaurant at the End of the Universe. This is the second in the Hitchhiker trilogy that spans six books. Yes, that is not a mistake. It's the second of the Hitchhiker trilogy that spans six books. And this was adapted from some of the remaining material from the original radio series. So after Douglas Adams took his radio series and he wrote his first book, because it's a book based upon a radio series that then became a TV show, that then became a movie, and then became more books... It's awesome. (laughs) (laughs) And the scene at the beginning of this reminds me of a scene where the main characters have found themselves on an arc, the uh, Golgofrinchen's Arc B, which is filled with a whole bunch of worthless people that the planet Golgofrinchen put on the arc to get rid of. And their captain is pretty well useless. And he has been spending the entire journey in a bath. And so they're brought up to the bridge and there's the captain just in a bath, happily playing around with his ducks and his bubble bath. And it's just a hilarious and absurd piece that I just absolutely loved. So it's kind of hard for me to think about that book kind of separate from the first three books, because the first three books, The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, The Restaurant at the End of the Universe, and Life the Universe and everything, they kind of all meld together into one long story for me. It's kind of hard sometimes for me to really pick apart the different parts of that book. But um, I, I really enjoy it. It's one of my favorite series. He was one of my favorite authors, and still miss the fact that he is no longer with us but i know where my tell is and i know that the answer to life the universe and everything is 42 i've read those books a lot i really really like the series and uh if like everything now you ask me any details about it i don't remember (laughs) (laughs) see and and like i said i I remember so much i've read the books a lot but i think really what sticks in my head is the radio series Mm -hmm. because i've got the original radio series and i've got the extended radio series that they that bbc radio did years after the original one's finished and i've listened to them multiple multiple times so it's kind of ingrained in me that i know what it's all about you know i like that kind of thing i like a lot of science fiction but you know what you like science and you're going to tell me about science right now and i'll do it from this corner over here 
One of the plot points in this issue is that Alex doesn't know how to dance, and this fact dominoes into a lot of bad situations. Well, how can we help him? Uh, seriously, I'm asking because I don't know how to dance either, so I can't help him. And if I can't help him, then why bring up the honestly embarrassing fact that I can't dance? Well, because one of the bad situations that it leads to is that Allison will crash through the ice and die without intervention. Hey, well this is something that I know something about, so let's talk about what happens to your body if you fall through ice into water and how to get out of it. If you fall into freezing water, your body's physiological response is to go into what is called cold water shock. The shock causes your respiration rate, heart rate, and blood pressure to increase dramatically, which can cause ventricular fibrillation and cardiac arrest, basically sudden death. Odds are, though, that you won't die immediately, but you will be in shock for one to three minutes, and this will make you want to gasp for air and hyperventilate because your heart rate accelerated so rapidly, but you must avoid doing so, especially if you're underwater. Blowing out slowly through your lips will help to calm you. At this stage, you have about 10 minutes to self-rescue before swim failure and hypothermia makes you unable to do so. To self-rescue, find the solid portion of ice you were on before falling through and pull yourself up while staying as horizontal as possible. Kick your legs to push yourself out of the water. Once you're entirely on the ice, roll away towards the area that you already traveled on as you know that it can support your weight. Don't stand up immediately. You want to keep your weight distributed when you're close to the hole. Once you're out and back to shore, get out of your wet clothes, dry off, and get into something warm as soon as possible. So, there you go. A little bit of science and a little bit of safety to keep in mind for the next time that you decide to sled down Suicide Hill. Thank you very much, Science Corner Jeff. I think this is uh, two issues in a row that you've given us safety tips. Yep. Yep. One, if, you're throw if you lock yourself in the trunk of a car, there's ways to escape. And now, if you find yourself falling through ice there's ways to get out of that too so and science really, and safety go hand in and hand really if you do both those things together that can save you when you're locked in a trunk and the car is uh, goes into an icy lake yeah sure <laughs> besides the fact that you're probably having a very bad yeah, day yeah <laughs> yeah you've, you've got if you survive you got some stories to tell you know what you can do with those stories? What? You can draw a really nice picture about that story and put it on your refrigerator so you can remember it for always. Oh, that would be lovely. Isn't it? Yes. <laughs> Let's talk about the refrigerator gallery. What piece of art in this book that we love the art in do we want to have on our family refrigerator? And uh, I think I'm just going to go ahead and start with my funny one because I've talked about it quite a lot. And I'm going to say my funny one is probably the... Um, I'm going to say it's probably the top one on page two where we have the emperor in the bath <laughs> because it's bath time and he is not happy because people are interrupting his bath time. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's, I know it's a serious scene cause he's sick, yeah. but it is just hilarious yes. that he is just, it, it's, it's bath time ruined. There's a lot of funny ones in this issue. Yes. Yeah, there really is. What is your funny one, sir? Well, I've got a, I've got two funny ones. Okay. Backup. So my backup one is on page 10. Yep, 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 yep. Yeah, this was just my backup best picture. Oh, really? <laughs> well, let's see if it's the same one. I call this one g -g 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 Ghost Butler. <laughs> and it is a uh, bottom center. And it is the power kids at the door talking to Jarvis, who had just gotten coated with flour, but he takes his apron off. So he's got, like, you know, he's... Just powder white. His clothes are powder white, except he took his apron off, so his uh, black suit is in the you know is is black in that right. area where he took his apron off. Right. So it's, it's, it's got the out. It's basically yeah. you know what I I had noticed outline. that before yeah. because it looks like he is wearing an apron, but you're yeah. right. It's just his suit. It's the suit. Yeah, he's Mister Negative Man. Yes. Except he's a butler and it's an apron. <laughs> that is a great choice. I know you got another funny one, but yep. since we're on this page, I'm gonna say my backup 
best picture okay. is that three panels in the middle there where oh, you see yeah. where you see Jarvis kneading the bread. Frank is putting the flour that he's brought over from another counter over to this counter next to the Jarvis. There's the bloof with all of the powder in the air. Mm-hmm. And then you see the flour can falling down. Flour everywhere on the counter, on the bread, on Jarvis. Not on Frank. Not on Frank. No, Frank's, <laughs> Frank's in uh, good shape. Yeah. What's great in that uh, picture, too, is that Jarvis has his eyes rolled up. Yes. Like, he's just all, Ugh. These are my pains. Yeah. <laughs> but he's good. It's not like he exploded at uh, Frank or anything, no, so good job, no. him. What is your other funny one, sir? My first place joke one is on page 14, and I call it, She Went to Jared. And it's the top panel, and it should... This is after um, Allison and Johnny... <laughs> Uh, had originally crashed and uh, Alex ran over to chastise her and he's helping her up out of the snow but he's standing there and she's on one knee and they're holding hands and it looks like she just proposed to him and then you have a crowd of Johnny's people and everything looking and like thumbing over there like look at that she went to Jared's oh (laughs) I well played sir I was like what on this page is fun oh oh it's situational comedy my friend (laughs) <laughs> and when she so Allison asks Alex to marry him and his response is don't be a jerk Allison <laughs> you can't, you can't. <laughs> so wow Alex is really a jerk yeah that's uh, that is not how you politely decline <laughs> no. an invitation to spending your life with somebody uh, since I already went ahead and did my backup uh, good one what is uh, your backup good one okay. my backup good one is on page 22 and I call it who knows what evil lurks in the hearts of men the shadow knows <laughs> And it is the bottom left-hand panel, and it's uh, Jarvis handing the glove to the kids, saying, Oh, hey, I believe I, this mitten is yours. And the kids are like, Oh, he didn't see us change our costumes. That's good. He must have had snow in his eyes. But there's a shadow on the wall behind him, and it's the shape of a snark. It's the shape of... It's Jar- a snark head. It's, yeah, but it's the shape of Jarvis. I mean, you could it actually... It could be, but you, it also I, couldn't be. Yeah, it's, it, it's really both. look at it. It's yeah. both, because it's Jarvis. He's got his hat up like he's kind of doffing his hat at them. Yeah, there's a light. So his, yeah, so his arm is up, which is causing... The light to go through at one angle to kind yep. of have the eye of the snark, mm-hmm. but then the rest of it is the outline of the head. Yep. Yes. It's a great double entendre. It's uh-huh. like, it could be that, and it could be something else. Yeah. Good call. It, I just, I just, every time I'm like, I remember this from, oh my goodness, 30 years ago. I was like, that's really cool. That's great kind of like sinister shadowing kind of thing. The little, oh, wait a minute. Something might not be right here. But yeah, you do look at that shadow and it's like, yeah, that's just his shadow and he's holding his hat. But it looks a lot like a snark head. So yeah, it's I just really, really like that very nice very nice for my top one it's on page 18 and i call it alex with the save Uh, i know the one yeah that's good yes and this is the one where he has flown over and he has tackled allison in the stomach and he has just grabbed the scruff of john's coat and just slammed him into the ground and you see the the sled in the background cracking off of a tree yeah and actually it's bouncing off a tree and cracking into the ice yes yes yeah and, and if you look at Alex's arm, you can see he's got that degrav yeah. pattern yeah, on his skin. On. Yeah, no, that is great. That is just, yeah, that is a superhero moment. Yeah. That really is. A superhero moment. And also, I could save him the nice way, or I could just <laughs> just basically, you know, road rash him across yeah. the ground. I could get a little bit in while I'm here. It's right, like, I'm right. going to save you, but... You might get stepped on a little bit. Yeah, it's just great. What's your top one, sir? My top one is on the previous page, on page 17, and I call it Deep Snow. And it is the uh, second top panel, and it is just, uh, it's showing Suicide Hill and the lake, 
and the kids going, you know, pulling the sled and everything. And uh, what's amazing about it, so it's just this great like panorama kind of landscape photography, but also it is in the foreground has uh, Frank and Katie walking in the snow and it's like knee deep on them. So they got that really wide kid stance stomp to try and get anywhere. And again, while everybody else is like, yeah, this is ankle deep. And the kids are like, this is like shin and knee deep, man. <laughs> so well, that's a good one. And yeah. I also like the, uh, you can see the kids sliding down, sliding oh, yeah, down the hill the background. Yeah, it's, it's just beautiful because it just, it, it paints a beautiful picture. It's just, it's like, I know this scene. I've seen the scene. That's just, it's just, I'm like, uh, that brings back a lot of happy memories and it's just real peaceful. And it's like, you know, uh, what, yeah. you know what doesn't bring back a lot of happy memories? What's that? Being made fun of. Oh, that's true. Nobody and likes that. And since we have an issue where we have a bunch of kids basically being kids, being kids, yeah. there's a little bit of a, there's a few rubber and glue moments here. There are a couple. Let's talk about what we think the best ones are. What's your backup one, sir? So my backup one is on page six, and it's uh, Allison basically talking about the dance, and Alex, I just love his response about the dance, which is... you got to be kidding, Allison. It'll be a crepe paper-covered nightmare. I wouldn't set foot in that dance if they paid me. And I just love crepe paper-covered nightmare. I'm like, <laughs> that is very awesome. Very evocative. Yeah, and also pretty darn accurate, I'm betting. So... <laughs> My backup is on page nine. It's a couple pages more. Actually, going back to page seven. Let's go back to page seven, because I actually have a couple backup ones. I couldn't decide between these two. It's one of John's buddies. Yo, John, looks like Allison had a little spat with that whack power kid. Yeah. Whack power kid. All right. Nice, nice, nice. And then on page nine... Alex, again, after he takes the snowball to the back of the head, Mm -hmm. Jack, you little jerk, are you out of your mind? (laughs) Just little jerk. So whack and little jerk. I I couldn't decide between the two of them. They're good. They're good. They're good. What uh, is your top one? My top one is on page 13, and it is uh, John talking to his buddies after they just did their original crash off of Death Hill or Death Bump or Death Jump, whatever it's called. And there's two reasons for this. One is because of the words. Yo, man, I thought you'd chicken out. Hey, it's me, man. Johnny Rival ain't no chicken. No kidding, man. You're covered in snow. You must be a penguin. So it's got chicken out, ain't no chicken, and you're covered in snow, so you must be a penguin. So that's that's the words alone is great on that. Yes, yes. The second reason for that is because Johnny's full name is Johnny Rival. Yes. Johnny Rival. They say it twice in this co- uh, comic issue, saying his name is Johnny Rival. So who is he? He Johnny is Alex, Rival. He is Alex's rival. Who is Johnny? <laughs> it's just like it's the first time they gave his full name, and I'm like, Johnny Rival, you're amazing. You're my hero, Johnny Rival. And then he spits sand in my face because I don't know how people spit. Pretty much, he is born to be a villain. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Who's villain? Everybody. Everybody. He's just a jerk kid. And maybe a drug dealer. We're not sure. <laughs> well, he's just a rival drug dealer. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> this is Johnny Rivals Corner. Speaking of chickens, mm-hmm. I actually am over on the next page. So I have the follow-up where Johnny then throws the chicken mm-hmm. at Alex's feet. Yep. Hey, Power, you can come too if you're not too chicken. So we've got the chicken ones in there. We yeah, both like the chicken. Chickens, <laughs> there's yeah, a the lot of chickens in there. Johnny Rival likes the chicken, but Johnny Rival ain't no chicken. <laughs> ain't no chicken. You know who's a chicken? Who? Not Johnny Rival, that's who. You know, I'm tired of talking about chickens. What I'd like to talk about is stars and detentions. Okay, we'll do that. <laughs> or as I like to call it, your Johnnies and your rivals. <laughs> so who's your bad kid? My bad kid is Alex. Alex, yeah. 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 
Yeah. How come? Because. He's Alex. <laughs> he, because he makes a series of bad choices, including losing his temper and using his power on Johnny. There is more reasons than that, too. Well, I mean, but I'm, 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 he made a series of bad choices. He did. I mean, I, the way he treated Allison is horrible, horrible, horrible. Mm-hmm. And I mean, he is bad for that. But I actually kind of consider it worse that he used his powers on Johnny. Because, mm-hmm. beca- yeah. because there was a possibility of physical damage he could have he done to that kid have, yeah he could i mean it was horrible the way he was treating allison mm-hmm. and i mean it's there's no excuse for it he could have killed john yeah he could have easily killed johnny but uh that being said he, he zero g'd him and then he tossed yeah. him from about four so, feet I mean, into snow you're not gonna but at the same time yeah 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 it could have been in a different situation it could have been a lot yeah. worse so a series of bad choices losing his temper and using his power yeah so my reasons are a lot basically exactly the same it was a an alex heavy issue mm-hmm. and it was an Alex having problems. Yes. Uh, and then a lot of the other kids were kind of sir not appearing in this issue. Katie, you know, she kind of hung around with Frank. Jack turned into a cloud sometimes and was like, hey, good going, bro. You, you kicked that kid's bottom, you know? And then Julie was kind of like, if Allison wants to hang out with Johnny Rival, she ain't worth your time. So it was uh, most people weren't doing too much stuff. I think I know who you're going to choose as a hero. I bet I know who I'm going to choose as well. I think you're going to choose Franklin. Yes. And I agree with your choice. Mm-hmm. I chose Jack. Really? Okay. Yes. But I could have easily have chosen Franklin too. It was also actually surprisingly a Franklin uh, heavy epi- yes, episode. Yes, I, I think I think Franklin did a fantastic job, and like you know, he he basically saved some lives. He did, and he was continually trying to you know give people information, right. but also suffered the listen to me. Why won't anybody <laughs> listen to me? Yeah, kind of having that problem. The reason why I just like Jack is I just enjoyed Jack in this episode. Oh yeah, he was good. I mean, Jack was the perfect kid yeah. in this episode oh yeah just like all of the things he was doing i mean yeah his brother's like falling down and hurting himself yeah. the other kids went and raced after him he's like he can handle himself yeah he's fine he's fine yeah. he clouds up when when katie throws a ball yeah. at him you know it's he was being the perfect brother and mm-hmm. i just I, I, there was something about it i liked but at the same time though i completely agree with your choice of, of franklin too. no both are good it would have been um it would have been Jack if it wasn't for Franklin. Right. Because he was also, look, you're having woman problems, but you know what? Mom's getting out of the hospital. It's yep. a snow day. We can go sledding. Let's just go let's, have fun. Let's, let's just, just go enjoy fun. ourselves. Yeah. He was also, you know, playing around with Katie. And he was also trying to be, you know, basically like surrogate brother figure with yeah. uh, Frank as well. Yeah. Which is great because he's like, hey, you know, maybe your powers are, you know, on your mind too much. How about instead you have a snowball on your mind? Whoosh, you know, kind he of was, thing. He wasn't being grouchy at no, all. No. He just was having fun. He was. He was having a great time. So I kind of went for that. Yeah. I got good news for you, sir. Oh, yeah? What's that? You have a reason to be here today. Okay. Give me a G count. (laughs) Oh, that. I was thinking, because we're in my house, I do have a reason to be here because I'm a co-host of the show. Yeah, I do. None of that matters. All right. None of that matters. What matters is G count. G count. It is back after... That's the It's Back music. At least five or six issues. It might even be more than that. But yeah, it's been a while. But yeah, Alex drops a surreptitious G in this issue. So it's the first one for a long time. So one G you can experience while you're sledding down Suicide Hill to go and crash into a uh, icy, watery death grave below. And uh, our G average is 1.27. And that's approaching the gravity that you can find on Neptune. And our G total now is 28, which, hey, it's one more than before. So that's good. Not bad. Not bad. Okay. Huzzah. Huzzah. Let's go ahead and grade this issue. Now, this will be kind of fun because we've got in front of us 
24 stories where we have determined power packs in them some way or the other, starting with number 19, Guess Who's Coming to Dinner, all the way down to Thor 363, This Cursed Earth. Mm-hmm. Well, let's look at fireworks as a way to place to start that off. That is a great thing because, you know, I, I'm going to be honest. I was like, I would put this above fireworks and below Snark Attack. I'd make it the new number nine. Okay, I think I can see that. Snark Attack, we had a lot of action. There was a lot. We still had the kids kind of playing around. It was a good mixture of, of all those things. This is a great, great issue mm-hmm. that has a lot of everyday things. There's no real big threat until the very end. Yeah. And we do see... There's a looming threat. There's a looming threat. There's a looming threat. And it kind of shows the kids just using... Just really dealing with the everyday things. So I think that's a good place to put it. I'm fine with that. But done and done. This will be the new number nine between Snark Attack and Fireworks. Let's talk about this beer. Mm-hmm. Snowpack. Bourbon barrel aged. What do you think? This is good. I would have this again. It's better than average for me. I would say this is a good four. Okay, really? Wow. Okay, for me, uh, it got better as it warmed up a bit, or my taste buds got killed off by the by the ABV a little bit. Sure. Still, while I was drinking it, though, I would drink it, go, hmm, and then I would make a face. <laughs> and then it would go away, and I'd be like, yeah, okay. I like beer. I would drink it again, but it's not one that I'd be like, yeah, that was that was a good beer for me. Sure, no uh, I could totally understand why you'd give it a four. For me, it's more of, you know, yay, middling. It's like a three, really, kind of two and a half, this, three. This, one, this yeah. one just, for me, it was nice and smooth. I don't know, maybe just how I'm feeling tonight, but... Could be that but uh maybe uh, everybody has their own taste buds yeah. and mine are giving it not as a stellar review of yours again it's there's nothing wrong with it it has very uh very mild nose to it so you can put your nose into the glass and be like yeah i can kind of smell it's a beer but not nothing really and then it does have some interesting flavors in there but like i said every time i took a drink i was making a face different different strokes different folks this one made me happy at a four made him happy with a three you be the judge let us know what you think about pyramid Actually, I would love it if one of our listeners who did find one of the beers we did would uh, give us some kind of message back, because I'd like to see people's responses to whether they like the beer or what they thought of our rating of the uh, issue. Yeah, that contact us. You know, talk to us, kind of like my daughter talks to me sometimes. You mean in the kids' perspective portion of the show? Yes. Hey, why don't we do that right now? Hi, Carrie. Hi, Daddy. How you doing? Good. Good. So we're here to talk about this issue. Issue number 22 of Power Pack. That's got the cover that says... Dark Alex? Question mark. <laughs> what do you think about this issue? I liked it. Why did you like it? Because it has action. I like action. <laughs> it's got a little bit of action. It's not a lot of, you know, fighting with super villains or anything, right? Yeah. But what does it have? What what kind of action is there? Well, Alex, um, he tried to get Allison back because he, he had, he was like this. I don't want to go to the dance. Allison asked about the dance and then suddenly, and then, um. And then she, she started going with Johnny, right? Yeah. Alex got in a fight with uh, John, right? Yeah. So it's got some action where Alex and John fight, right? Yeah. What do you think of Alex and what he does? Did he did he make any many right choices in this? No. What were some of his the things he did that was not good? Well, he uses powers in public, and he also threw somebody. Yeah, he threw somebody using his powers. That's right. What else? How about how he treated Allison? He was like, I don't want to go to the suite and to the dance. Right. That wasn't... That wasn't very nice. It wasn't very nice how he said it, right? Yeah. It's okay if somebody doesn't want to go to do something, but they still have to not make others feel bad for liking it, right? Yeah. How else did he treat Allison? Did he let her make any choices on her own? No. He kind of treated her like she was a baby. 
Yeah, that's not how you want to treat somebody, is it? No. Don't let anybody treat you like that. Okay. Oh, you know, except for me. It's okay if I treat you like that. And so, Mommy? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Just yeah. not the cats. No, no, no. Don't let the cats treat you like that. If the cats <laughs> treat you like that, you should talk to us. You know, cats shouldn't be bossing you around like that. Mommy and Daddy, we can boss you around all we want. That's that's perfectly fine. We, we're supposed to do that. Yeah. We get paid to do that. Yeah. <laughs> we don't get paid to do that. I know. All right. Anything else you want to talk about? No. Actually, let's talk about the ending. What happened at the ending to the kids? They went on the bus, and then suddenly they saw all the snarks on the bus. And they got captured, right? Yeah. And the snarks are taking them somewhere, right? Yeah. This is the beginning of the snark wars. Bad stuff's going to happen to the, the kids here on out, because they've been captured by the snarks. It's not a good thing. What's going to happen to them? Do you know? I don't know. Next issue. <laughs> are you interested in seeing what's happening to them? Yeah. All right. Anything else you want to say then? No. I got one question. more question for uh. you. I haven't had a chance to ask you this on air. What did you think about talking to Louise Simonson? Was that fun? Yeah. She was pretty nice, wasn't she? Yeah. Anything you want to say about talking to her? It was great. <laughs> All right. Thank you very much for your time, Carrie. You're welcome. I love you. And we're back to do some shout outs to people who have contacted us. The people I'm talking about are people kind of like those that go on Facebook. Kind of like the people who responded to our review of Power Pack 21. Colin Stapleton, who does the worst comic podcast ever. Thank you, Colin. Gene Hendricks. Hoover Jeremiah. Jason Marin. Jeff Bollier. Keith Baker. Kyle Sinili, who points out that Jack saying the author's stuff was better before she got popular. Make Jack a proto-hipster in 1986. Mitch Gillian. And his bar, The Nerd Out, in Portland, Oregon, where you can find Rick on most Friday nights. Scott Sutton Johnson. On Twitter, we have Alexander. Cannonball. C. Isabel Brain. Comic Reflections. Comics in the Golden Age. Gibson, who has just started listening and said that our show is essential listening. Thank you. Greg A. H.K. Taylor. I have a nerdy mind. Yes, you do. Iowa Joe. <laughs> Irredeemable Shag. Isaiah Julian Jeffrey. Kofi. Ladies of Comics. Let's Talk Power Pack. Logan Austin. Osvaldo Oila. Ryan Daly. Secret Wars and Beyond Podcast. Who freaking loved this issue. I hope he was not disappointed in our review. Tim Price. Tomb of Ideas. Warlock Thanos Podcast. Warlord Worlds. And be sure to check out another show that I am on, Rick Meets the Legion. Nicholas Prom guides me through decades of old DC comics while we drink. You can find this on the Comics Reflections Podcast. Jeff and Rick Present is a bi-weekly self-produced podcast recorded in front of a live studio audience of Portland, Oregon. If you would like to interact with us through the magic of the internet, you can do so through Twitter at Jeff Rick Present, our Facebook page, Jeff and Rick Present, our email address, Jeff and Rick Present, all one word, at gmail.com, or at our website, Jeff and Rick Present.wordpress.com. And if you would like to help support our show, we are on Patreon. You can find us at patreon.com, Jeff and Rick Present, all one word. Please rate and review us on iTunes or Stitcher. Tell your friends about us or share your love for us on social media. And as always, we want to thank the wonderful women in our lives. My wife, Cindy, and our daughter, Carrie. My fiance, Hillary, and our daughter, Aurora. We, we love, love you. you. Until next time, costumes, costumes off. Our theme music is 80s action. Also featured in this episode is Interloper. All music is by Kevin McLeod at Competech.com and is licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 3.0 license. So make it sound spacey. <laughs> Come on, that's a softball. What are you going to do with it? I don't know. 1986, the new universe. It all begins this summer.
It was in those ages of 1961 that the universe that we know was a Marvel and was named as such a Marvel universe. To be fair, people like Marauder are there to check... To, to be fair, people like Marauder are there to check to see if he's kicked the snark version of the proverbial... Oh, how 1980s of you. <laughs> and after berating his fickly... As we fade away from the Avengers mansion... Or both mush mouth. Switching to the surreptitiously shielded spacecraft, some snarks sit, staring into a scientific screen, scanning the city for some superpower siblings. Static stifles the search, specifically stumbling across signals with super signatures set, not starting from celestial sources. The senior snark says to supervise the settings and settle the search from the specific suspects. Wow. In one. In one. Oh, cheers, my friend. <laughs> A prost to you. It's about time for the Valentine's Dan. Nope. It's about time for the Valentine's Day dance. I prefer Valentine's Dan. Hi, <laughs> I'm Dan. I'm your Valentine. What up? Let's try again. And again, we see a panel with the two snarks, Hodge and Off. Insert, come on, let's get up the hill. I'll <laughs> just like, disregard him this entire thing. He's like, I saw a vision of, yeah, that's yep. great. You know what? <clears throat> you know what I like, snow. <laughs> do you want a deep voice or do you want to attempt at a girl voice? Do, do follow your bliss. Uh, <laughs> I'm not going to give her the deepest voice. Yeah, I can. <laughs> I can do whatever I want. You don't care about me. You only care about what you want. Everything always has to be your way, doesn't it? Like the dance. Like, oh, forget it. That was horrid. So that's that's take A. <laughs> now take B. Suicide Hill's dangerous. Let me try that again. Suicide Hill's dangerous. <laughs> Is that better? Yeah, that's great. 